When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to our brand new Geekscape podcast. This one's a special though. We're going to be talking all about Spider-Man Homecoming, the brand new movie that Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures put out in conjunction with each other. Because, you know what? After the Amazing Spider-Man movies, I think we needed something brand new. And Marvel has a pretty proven track record at this point. So fans were looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it. And I'm definitely looking forward to talking to Ian Kerner about this. Uh, so strap in, this is the special We're going to go heavy on spoilers So if you do not want spoilers and have not seen this movie yet Listen to the regular Geekscape podcast because, And then come back to this one once you've seen Spider-Man Homecoming Which you should probably see Because you're a geek and you clicked play on this So I'm guessing you're into this stuff Real quick, I want to tell you all about Loot Crate Go to lootcrate.com slash geekscape Use the promo code geekscape And you can get a discount on any of those subscription boxes You see right there on the website um, I've got a ton of stuff and I Loot Crate sends me too much. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put in a big-ass box. It's going to take up the entirety of my back seat. I'm going to drive it down to San Diego Comic-Con where I'm going to meet you guys and come to booth 3919, the Geekscape booth. We're going to be giving away some of that stuff because we love uh, our sponsors at Loot Crate. And we're going to share the love with you guys. So uh, if that's not enough for you, go to LootCrate.com slash Geekscape. Use the promo code Geekscape and get a subscription of your own. All right? Otherwise, you're going to have to come to the booth and get the freebies in person. We're looking forward to seeing you guys at San Diego. All right. Ian, you are here. I'm here. And he's clear. Uh, we have a brand new microphone for Ian because a few episodes ago we had a special. And somebody commented, I love the show. Ian sounded a little soft. Turns out our old mics that we had used since the very beginning of Geekscape are dead. So we ordered new microphones and... One of them has a short in it, so I'm using a handheld, and Ian's got the new mic. But it's important, because Ian's got all the knowledge. Um, all right. How do we start this movie that we've all been looking forward to quite a bit? Did, did you like it? I hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, just off the bat, I hated this movie. Uh, I, I can't even lie. I, I have, I actually, I have to say to the listeners that Spider-Man movies are kind of a special thing for Jonathan and I. Because we, we pretty much sort of bonded originally You're right. over right. over the second Spider-Man movie. We we, um, we met somewhere I, I, I was, and you, you, you actually, we, I was working out of somewhere, yes, that you know you were working out of also, and you saw my, my advanced poster. Uh, and was you, that, I think that was Spider-Man 3. No, it was 2. Ooh, no, no. I'm, I'm going to tell you, three, 3 is a whole other conversation for us. I know, because you said, that's good as shit. It's going to be the shit. Yeah, we were so excited. So, so 2, and you know, we're like, oh, excited. And then you actually, you went to Arclight and you brought me back a foam, uh, the foam hand, yeah, which I still have. Dude, your, uh, this mic is almost too good that you've got. I keep having to lower it. So, Geeks gave us, we're learning the new microphone personalities. Uh, I'm not in the Westwood One Studios, so I just lowered it. I don't think it'll affect Ian, but we'll see. Uh, I'm annoyed by the short in a new microphone. You get a new microphone, there's a short in it. Okay, let's talk about this movie. So, so anyway, I brought this up for a reason because then a couple years later they do the third one. You've already or doing Geekscape. You've had me on a bunch of times. Three's coming out. We love two so much. So excited. Early summer, you said, "What do you think?" I said, "Oh my god, I'm so excited for this movie." This and, be then, shit. and then and then and and it actually it broke my heart. And yes. to be perfectly honest, I've been really wary of Spider-Man movies ever since, and rightly so. 
Um, yes. Um, three I was so heartbreaking. To... Amazing Spider-Man had so many problems. We've talked about all of them. Perfect casting. Probably not a Spider-Man movie. Um, well, wait a second. I, lo- I, I love uh, Andrew Garfield. I think uh, Andrew Garfield is really great casting for Peter Parker, but that's not... No, 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 no. Great. He was, he was a very good, witty Spider-Man. He wasn't good casting for Peter Parker okay. in high school. Yeah, well, he wasn't. Well, no, but the way that that thing was written was like it was written like it was, it, written like it was Bruce, five hundred days of summer. It was like if Bruce Wayne went to high school. Yeah, like, well, well, that, that, listen, uh, that, that that movie, and let's not get too sidetracked in discussing right. that. But it was a great follow up to Five Hundred Days of Summer, a really interesting relation movie. It had nothing to do with Spider Man. Um. Well, it did have a Spider Man villain in it. <laughs> yeah. In the lizard. Yeah. Uh, and? Although the whole time you wanted to see Dylan Baker playing the lizard yes. because you love him in the Sam Raimi movie. Yes. Um, yeah, okay. Anyway, I, I, we, we, people can go back to the archives of Geekscape and listen to our review of Amazing Spider-Man if they want to hear that one. I'm, here's the thing, though, Ian. I'm always hopeful with a Spider-Man movie. Even Spider-Man, yeah. even Amazing Spider-Man 2, which was coming off of a, the one that broke my heart. <sighs> Again, Amazing Spider-Man. Even Amazing Spider-Man 2, I was like, well, maybe they learned. Yeah. <laughs> in my defense it's the only Spider-Man movie I've matinee though because I have my matinee rule where yes. I'm on the fence about yeah. something I matinee it because I, I just I, can't I, I still went opening night but I was just like no <laughs> listen as you can't see Jonathan's laughing at my face <laughs> I'm just rolling my eyes I'm, 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 I'm like I'm, I'm practically checked out at, at this point, because Amazing Spider-Man Two broke him. Yeah, it broke. It him. broke me. <laughs> I mean, Spider-Man is my favorite character. Yeah, I do. I adore he, Spider-Man. He is. He is my favorite character, and people think that I'm really uh, out of my mind sometimes. But I say he's the greatest character created in the last hundred years. May I mean maybe longer? I don't know, but but I'm not that well read, but. But I think Spider-Man is such an incredible character. I think he's the I think he's the best created superhero. So, so I, I just love Spider-Man to death. And so right, every so, time there's a right, Spider-Man so, movie, I'm hopeful. And this one, absolutely. I was super hopeful. So, so, let's, so let's get into this movie. Here's the thing. You know, there have been many times in the character's history, you know, Spider-Man's been around for over 50 years now. Um, and, you know, periodically, as is the case with most, you know, comic properties that have been around a while... They try to kind of, you know, reinvigorate with something a little bit more current. So, for those listeners that don't know, Marvel Comics, back about you know, just shy of 20 years ago, they tried this different line of comics called the Ultimate Comics. Right. And, and Spider-Man was the first one, written by Brian Michael Bendis, and it was great. And it really just started the whole thing over as if it was now. So, it's the, it was the early aught years. Yes. Um, and, um, and, and it was really well done. And... The Marvel Cinematic Universe, while not an official statement, has taken a lot of clues from the Ultimate line of comics. Mm-hmm. What at the time that they started those these movies, the Ultimate line was in full force. It, since it's it, it actually did so well that it just started affecting the regular line. Yeah, it started, the regular line started borrowing a lot from it. Until yeah, they finally just merged the two. Yeah, they finally they got they got rid of the Ultimate, although. Without, again, going off too much of a tangent, I think a lot of what's going on in the Marvel comics these days has a lot to do with that merger. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so, so there's going to be some things as we discuss this, and I'm actually I'm, I'm going to call out a lot of the things. It's the difference between what's called the, the original Marvel Universe is the 616, and the Ultimate Universe was the 1610. So, so I'll refer to some of that a bit as we discuss this and break this down. Um, but what I... Overall, I love this movie, and I particularly loved that it, it felt very current. It's very 2017, and it really feels, you know, they, they've done, with this movie and many others, I really see the, the Marvel Universe in its entirety, I mean the cinematic universe, mm-hmm. you know, um, you see how it's progressed. You know, there was that great moment um, in Civil War where we, we already thought so, but Vision pretty much flat out told us that everything's happening in real time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That, you know, Iron Man first happened, you know, it was the exact number of years ago in the movie world as it is for us. You know, that's what happened. And, and we, we actually we really get that sense in this movie. They really call it out, you know. And well, just from the, right off the bat, you see that, you see Peter's whole movie. 
Yeah. And you in well, no, well, even before that, that, you see, yeah. yes, you see the, the you see the destruction of of it's it's post the incident post in the Avengers. The in the Avengers, you see yeah. all the Shatari stuff laying around, right? And I love that beginning because yeah. one of the things that that is post that first Avengers is that you have all this Shatari technology floating around, and they've done, they've dealt with it a little bit in Shield. Uh, well, well, Agents of Shield. I wanted them to really deal with it in Iron Man three. I wanted well, I wanted that to rather I would rather him have Iron Man have to battle Shatari technology than whatever that Mandarin stuff was in that movie. But you get it. So so what 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 they've done that going back to Captain America: The First Avenger was very smart and really they started it there and then they brought it forward even more to the modern day with Avengers. As they said, you know. One of the problems with comic books for years has been you have all this super technology. And it really doesn't make sense of all the super technology, but the rest of the world stays the same. It right. doesn't make sense. So they said, well, you know what? Yeah, there's all these great advances, but they don't work without the alien power source. Yes. So as soon as they did that, it became this whole thing that it can't revolutionize the world. You're either using the alien tech that's limited and you're adapting it, or, or you, don't, you don't have it, and you're stuck with whatever technology mankind already has. So, and, and this, took this took it that much further and said, all right, first of all, and just to, to back off this point for a second, I want to say that a lot of the time in, in any kind of comic book-based you know, movie, there's something, as a hardcore fanboy, you see them change, you know, a, a character's been around a long time, and you kind, of, you kind of get a little disappointed. Oh, why do they do this? It's usually disappointing on some level. And Vulture... The exact opposite. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and make the statement. He's a better character in the movie than he ever was in the comics. Yes, he's not the old <laughs> tombs in the, the. I mean, yeah. the Vulture was all. Even when they tried to do the, the updated younger Vulture, he was never cool. No, this guy was still dressing like a bird. He was this bitter, a bitter old man. The harness gave him some strength. But you know, it was just yeah, there's definitely nothing cool about it. You know, and this this one made it personal. I mean, the, I mean, we've got Michael Keaton in the role, and he's amazing in it. But yeah. it gave it, the Vulture context to the greater Marvel universe, right? And the drive was legitimate, and, and that's just it. First of all, he actually is, notwithstanding the motif, he actually is a Vulture. He's literally scavenging sites for tech. That's his whole mo. He's taking alien tech I mean, or stealing yeah. it. Yeah. And he's putting it out there in the wrong hands. Right. But but he's scavenging. He's a vulture. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the... Which the, is perfect. It's, it's, it's so clever. The design of this vulture and the battles, the fight scenes, etc. are so awesome. And they use... Fantastic. The so, they use the wings in such creative ways that yeah. you're like, okay, this isn't just some dude with wings. He's using them to cut. He's using them to attack. He's using them to smack. He's using right. them to do everything. No, it's great. And they really are weaponry. Yeah, yeah. Because they're big, you know mechanized thing, of course they're going to have that kind of effect. You know, so starting off, as you said, you know, it's post the incident Mm -hmm. and he's legitimate, he has a crew and he's doing scavenging and all of a sudden this company comes in with government contacts and it's damage control, which Which for comic fans is awesome, yeah. Because, you know, damage control in in the Marvel Universe was a a private company there that they brought around and there were several miniseries, you know, involved with, you know, them dealing with the aftermath of you know, superhero battles and things like that. Uh, an interesting take to have it be, you know, government contract but privatized through Stark, and even the yes. little nod of oh, Stark is finding a way to you know actually profiteer. When you know we know that's not actually what Tony's about. He's actually trying to do the right thing and take care of things. But still, that's exactly what the layman's going to think. This guy, you know, had to invest as a typical person, you know, you know, with business would do, invested to the job, and now he's screwed over, and he's kind of in a place where he really doesn't have a choice. You're talking about Tombs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that the, his treatment early on just I, that character is handled so well. You're absolutely right that this is the best iteration of this character in any absolutely in in, in, in any version, um, and. The greatest thing that I loved about this is that you see that opening scene where he's trying to scavenge the Chitauri technology after the incident in Avengers, and there's a resolution to the scene. He's not happy, and it says eight years later. Right. And now we have Peter Parker in high school as a sophomore. Right. And we're ready to get our modern day story going. And I just thought that that leap 
is great because this you you open on a high schooler who has had eight years of superheroes in the spotlight in the world around him. Right. We skip over the actual well, Uncle Ben stuff. But, well, but wait, wait a second, but it's also eight years of Tombs has started this. Yes. He's proficient. Yeah. He's no, an expert. He's been doing this for years. Yeah, the villain, he's advanced. He's found his way to do it. He's got his crew. His crew has now started to include other supervillains or supervillain contacts right. who've been created but, as supervillains. I thought the treatment of the Shocker was awesome. In fantastic. Movie. Well, and again, so, and, and that comes back to the point I was making before. In the comics, you have all these characters running around. They've all invented silly. this tech. And a lot of them are silly. But like, so, silly or not, if you think about it, you know, Shocker, Vulture, Tinkerer. I mean, we can go on and on. And every one of them have come up with this really brilliant tech that in the real world, they could go make millions of dollars. You know, yeah, yeah, millions. I mean, these guys would be so wealthy without having to just do, do stupid little robberies, right. you know, and instead, and, 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 and this is going to go into the bigger point about the movie, which we're going to get into more later, but let me just say it. Spider-Man deals with the, usually the lower level guys who are just robbing stuff. Right. You know, and, and there was yeah, at one point there's the comic Deadly Foes of Spider Man. There's a little nod to some of it, some of it's the thrill, but they're usually you know they've gotten busted so much. But seriously, it's like just go sell this tech if you the ones that actually came up with their own. Mm-hmm. There gets to be a point where some of them are just using it, and really is the tinkerer who's just this bitter guy who you know hates the superheroes, you know that makes it for them. But initially, with many of them, and it's it's not just the Marvel stuff, you know DC also, but the idea that. These characters can make this tech and they don't just go and sell it and they right. make so much money. So what they've done that's so clever here is, well, guess what? They can't. They have to scavenge for it. All they can do is get it and they use it or they don't. Maybe they could sell it once as a one-off, but it's not selling right. tech in a legitimate way. And I think that's so clever and so key. The damage the, control stuff was really creative. It was a great way to fit damage yeah. control into the, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, the other thing is, of course, they would be working for each other. Yeah, of totally. Of course, you would have the Tinker creating things with tombs, and that they would have another criminal client like Shocker in this. I love the treatment of Shocker because Shocker was great. Shocker has a great outfit, and he has a great design in the comics with that crisscross across yeah, his yeah. the yellow. And it's subtle, but it's there. They put it in there in both iterations yes. of Shocker, which yes. was great. Absolutely great. And then I already mentioned that Mason was the tinkerer. Yes. Mason so, was the tinkerer, yeah. yes. It was awesome. So you, you actually have three supervillains in the introduction of a potential fourth supervillain in this yes. movie. Well, absolutely. Which is awesome because you know what, Geekscape is? If you've been listening to Geekscape for a while, it was good to see Michael Mando, former Geekscape guest, as Matt Gargan, who ends up becoming the, the, uh, the, scorpion. the scorpion, which is Fucking awesome! The second I saw him as Matt, it was like Matt Gargan. I was like, yeah. "That's Michael's role." And Michael was just on Geekscape maybe a year ago. Awesome, Geekscape is. We're one degree away from the Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> not Absolutely, that, not awesome. that we didn't do all that stuff for Guardians of the Galaxy, but whatever. <laughs> it was, it, we're really, uh, dude. That was just awesome seeing Michael actually become a Spider-Man villain. I was like, yes, I felt a sense of Geekscape pride. All right, dude. There's. I loved everything in this movie. So, <laughs> I, I did. I loved everything in this movie. As yeah. always, there are going to be some quibbles, because it's what we do. Shit, man. I'm looking for quibbles. I have some. I have a couple. I have a couple. Then I might just hop on yours. But we. I love the opening of this movie. I love the treatment of Peter in high school. I love it. Tom Holland is the, is the actor I wanted to have this role since I heard that he was up for it. I thought he was incredible in The Impossible. If you haven't seen that movie, he is up there... Acting with with Ewan McGregor and Naomi Watts, toe to toe with these actors, and he's like eleven or twelve in this movie, and it's awesome. Uh, you got to see this film, and uh, and seeing as Peter Parker was great, I thought the treatment of the of his buddy Ned mm. was awesome. Yeah, you gotta hear my quibble. You know I love Marissa Tomei. Yes, well, who doesn't love Marissa Tomei? My, Marissa Tomei. God, I love her. Um, and of course, you have a uh, soft introduction to Spider-Man's context of the Marvel Universe with this pretty creative home video that starts the movie. So, so let me say this. One of the things I loved about the movie is, as I said before, it's, you know, it fits so perfectly in with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It really, first of all, for anyone that's an Iron Man fan, this is a must-see. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got more happy in this movie 
Happy Hogan. Yeah. Then in all the Iron Man movies, and, and the reality is, and for people who don't realize, the fact that he had Happy in, in the Iron Man movies at all was a big deal because Happy was a major character in early Iron Man comics and for a very long time before they killed him off. And John Favreau's not just doing cameos in this movie. Exactly. He's, he's in the damn he's, movie. He's in the movie. He's, and I would say that again as well for Robert Downey Jr. for yeah. the most part. I mean, it, it's, he does not pop up in one or two scenes. It, 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 it's more than just a cameo. However, one small quibble that I have with the movie is that while it's more than a cameo, I think this one plot point that suffers a little that he wasn't in it a bit more than that. And I felt like that was probably more to do with how available he really was as versus, yeah, well, because so, so here's, so, all right, here's the quibble. Okay. So, because really, I love this movie, Geekscapist. You've seen I, I love, I love the movie. movie. You know, again, we're, I'm, I'm going to just <laughs> tear talk, little we things. We can talk about everything we love, yeah. or we can just talk about Ian's quibbles. And Ian's quibbles yeah. are maybe a few enough that we can actually do this in an hour. Yeah, yeah, you know, but I mean, so so you know, I can go off of what I love about this movie. Yeah, we can talk about what we love. Yeah, I could go on and on and on so much. I mean, first of all, it's so funny in a way. Now, listen. You guys listened to our, our review, maybe, of Guardians 2, and I really enjoyed the movie, and it's so funny, but what I said in that review was my concern about Guardians 2 was, is it going to play as well in subsequent viewings? Yeah, I've already seen those jokes. Right. This right. movie's hysterical with no fear of it playing as well. Right. It's, just, it's funny in a way that... It, it's not it's funny... sincerely it, funny. Yeah, it's, it's heartfelt funny. Yes. It's just... It's not funny like it's just like jokes and one-liners... It's just a really, really good, entertaining, <laughs> enjoyable movie. Goes, what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're hiding against the wall in the high school. And then some high school it, was just, yeah, it was great. I thought the high school stuff was populated so well. that's just it. It's so well. Tom Holland in this movie is absolutely the first time I ever felt like Peter Parker was really in high school. Yes. I mean, I didn't really complain back in the first two um, of Raimi's yeah. movies, but Toby was too old then. That was majorly the complaint when we got to the third one. He looked like he was 35. Yes. You know, and, but really, when you, if you look back at, at, at those now, I mean, he always was too old. Tom Holland, who was actually 21, so probably around 19 or 20 when he was filming this, still, he looked, he's, you feel like he's that young. Right. You know, and all those supporting characters as well all feel like they're in high school. And that's great. Um, so let me talk about Ganky. Because I refuse to call Ned. Yeah, Ned. Oh, I know he is ganky from what he's completely head. ganky. Yeah. Okay. In every single way except the name. So, so the here, comics, here's one of my quibbles. Yeah. So in the comics geeks gave us in the Ultimate Spider-Man comics and in the current—I mean the current one because yes. it merged with the six sixteen. Uh, ganky is the Asian buddy of of, of Miles Morales. So so let's back up Ned. a little bit because yeah. this is important. So. One of the things they did in the Ultimate Comics after it had been going for a while uh, to distinguish it is they actually killed Peter Parker. And then they ended up introducing a new kid, a younger kid who was of mixed race named Miles Morales. And he became the new Spider-Man and way younger. He was only 13 when he started. Uh, incidentally, even starting Tom Holland, this MCU version at 14 when he started was younger than Peter ever was in the comics. Right, right. Um, he's only in high school for 16 issues or so. Uh, 28 issues. 28 issues. Yeah. So, um, so point being, uh, the reason I brought that up is a couple of things. There's actually a little Easter egg in the movie. Um, we had heard for a while that Donald Glover was in the movie. And we heard, oh, well, he's going to be the Prowler, which we thought would be Hobie Brown. Hobie Brown was the Prowler in the 616. In the Ultimate Universe, there was a character named Aaron Davis, Davis who in fact is who Donald Glover is playing. Aaron Davis is a prowler who in the 1610 in the Ultimate Comics, he actually broke into Oscorp. And while he broke in trying to steal some stuff, an irradiated spider got in who ended up biting his nephew, Miles Morales. So there's a great throwaway line in the movie about him having a nephew. And that's our nice little nod to the fact that Miles Morales exists within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's way younger. It isn't time for him yet. Mm-hmm. So, But having said that, Miles' adventures go on. He has a best friend named Genki. And the relationship with the quote-unquote Ned in this movie, not only does he look exactly like Genki, he completely is Genki in every single way. Everything about him is Genki. So so one of my little quibbles about the movie, it was fine, but, you know, call him Genki or don't was sort of what bothered me. They felt the need 
to shoehorn characters named after, you know, characters in Peter Parker's mythos in the, in the 616 with them actually not being right. So to wit, you have Ned, Leeds, who in the comics is actually someone who's way older than Peter, who works at the Daily Bugle, ends up, he's a reporter. Years later, he ends up getting killed after the fact we're told he was the Hobgoblin and he isn't. It's all involved thing, all irrelevant to this movie and having nothing to do with, with the character that we saw in this movie. Which other than ganky. just to give the name. Yeah, so he's ganky. ganky. Yeah. So, so frankly, as we go on with this conversation, I will now officially be calling him ganky. You're so bad. I refuse to call him Ned. You're so mad. I'm mad. That bothered me. <laughs> really, really just bothered me. His mics are too nice for you to yell. <laughs> yes, sorry, sorry. So then the, <laughs> another little one was Betty Brandt. Was, was like 12. Yeah. It was like a 12-year-old girl, you know, who's seemingly in high school. And I guess it's a nod to journalism because she's doing the little, yeah. the little video cast. But, you know, whom in the comics actually is the secretary of J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. When Peter's working at the Daily Bugle, whom he dates. It's never really clear. She's definitely older than him, you know. Okay. That was a little bit. That was a little, it was a little bit creepy. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, but but fine, issues. fine. They're still fine. Yeah. 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 But it, but it was fine. It was fine. So that one bothered me a bit. Now the big one. MJ. MJ. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. I loved Michelle. I loved Michelle as a character. Yes. I actually love everything about her being MJ. She's the perfect modern day version of MJ. She's everything that the all the '60s stereotypes. Of what MJ was in the original comics, she was flighty, she was the party girl, all that. She had that perfect, I don't care, too cool for school attitude. She was such a perfect MJ. But I just felt like they just went a little too far out of the way to hide hide it it by calling her Michelle. Either don't tell me her name or call her Mary or something. I understood, I get it, it's a great payoff at the end of the movie. Oh, my friends call me MJ. But MJ is Mary Jane, so that, that bugged me a little bit. I'll get over it because clearly as we go forward, they're just going to call her MJ and there it is. You're right. But that, that rankled me a little bit. But, but, and let me talk about just how perfect she is, okay? <laughs> Even down to little things like, like the flip-off and all of it and she's just so self-aware of everything. She's so, you know, she's just, she has that, she's out of the beaten path and that's what MJ was. MJ was just, she was the party on her own. She wasn't, you know, she acted like she was part of the time, but she was just kind of off her own. She had her own stuff. There was clearly always something going on with MJ and more than you knew, you know? And, and, and I mean, Zendaya and Gorgeous and all that was just perfect in that way. Even down to, in the comics, the big twist with MJ is that initially, Mary Jane in the comic books was Anna Watson, Aunt May's best friend's niece. And Anna's always talking about, oh, we're going to set you up, we're going to set you up. Yeah. And literally, they start talking about it so early in the comics, but she actually doesn't show up until the end of issue 41. It's a famous... Panel. Yeah, and it's the... He opens the door, and there she is, and face the ch- tiger, you just hit the jackpot. Right. Famous, okay? famous, famous. Very famous. 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 So, but at this point, he's already met Gwen Stacy. He's in college, you know, and he's this sort is, of interested in Gwen. Yeah, and he's sort, sort of interested in Gwen, and, and, and that evolves into, you know... Eventually, that it, you knew Mary Jane was supposed to be a love interest, but but she wasn't. And then when Gwen dies, you know, similar to you know two iterations of the movie, but you know she dies by the Green Goblin, and it's actually really creepy because it's like, like you know, about six seven months for readers and for people watching. I think it's about three days after Gwen died. There, you know, Peter and MJ are a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, what ends up happening is. Fairly soon later, um, that, you know, Gwen dies in issue 121. By the time you get to the clone stuff of Gwen in the 130s, you know, MJ's already his girlfriend and insecure about it. They get past the clone stuff. By the late 170s, early 180s, Mary Jane leaves town, flakes. And I remember as a kid reading this stuff, and it seemed like she didn't come back for years, which is technically years. But in actuality, she's back again right after Secret Wars in the 250s. And the big twist is... Peter's making up his usual excuse because he has to go be Spider-Man because an emergency happened. Right. And she's like, would you stop with the lying? He's like, what do you mean? She's like, I know. I've always known. I know you're Spider-Man. I live next door to you. I saw <laughs> you before we ever met going out of the, in and out of the window. So it's this great twist. Well, the reason I'm bringing it up now is because there's that great look that they have 
Michelle MJ do at the end of the movie? I think she knows. That's cool. That would be cool. Well, you know why I think she knows? Because here's the point of the movie. Because only an idiot wouldn't know. And there's a Washington Monument. Wait, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he runs up and suddenly Spider-Man appears. First of all, the second that Ganky tells everyone that Peter knows Spider-Man, yes, I'm going to keep calling him Ganky. The second he does it, (laughs) all right, the second he does it, you've now brought in this idea of connecting little Peter Parker with Spider-Man. Right. And in the real world, and we've talked about this before when we talk about the movies and, and what's realistic, and it's the best conversation about the first Iron Man. You know, oh, is my bodyguard. Stupid. Because, of course, oh, come on, I'm Iron Man, right? Yeah. You know? And it's the same thing. You know, throughout the years in the comics, there would be times where Peter Parker would be out of town somewhere and he has to deal with something. And maybe he was really uptight about anyone seeing Spider-Man because people would make the connection. So he gets Johnny to dress as Spider-Man and get yeah. cover for him. Or, or, yeah. Or he, he's back. done different things. Or, yeah. or Spider-Man, did, you know, stayed to the shadows or whatever. Right. Or you know, then every now and then they're, you know, they've gotten to that place like recently where they're working together and Peter's doing the tech for him and Spider-Man's working for Peter. Which, which, which yeah. is, again, completely what they used to do with Iron Man. Right. It's Iron Man was Tony Stark's bodyguard, but they were never together. Right. You know? Uh, so it was that whole thing. So the second that people know that there's even any reason at all to connect them, and now here they are in Washington, D.C., and Peter's not there. And it's, it's one, one of the best scenes in the movie. Where he's it, stuck it, in damage it, control? No, one of the best scenes in the movie is when the vulture's realizing it. Yes. Oh, my God. It's, it's so, I mean, it's and just, you, you okay, feel it. You're okay with Liz Allen being Toombs' daughter in this movie? So, when we talk... Because I, I thought it was great. I thought it really personalized. Yeah, so, so, so here's the computer. thing. So, 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 again, they play with their expectations by yes. saying Liz... We just assume it's Liz Allen. Sure. Because in the comics... Liz it, Allen's a character that... It, Liz Allen is the character that he has a crush on when we first meet Peter Parker in high school and she's the cool one who he doesn't think he has a shot with and he suddenly does. And so it's perfect. I mean, we don't have to get into all the things of what, what Liz Allen becomes over the years in the mythos, but the reality is that Liz, Liz, Liz is perfect. It's Liz Allen. And then, oh, her last name is Allen. <laughs> you know? Right. It's this great connection. And even better... The thing is, as arguably contrived as it is, there's a very deep history of Spider-Man villains being connected to people Peter knows. Of course, yeah. So, you know, first... Yeah, you have, so we mentioned Betty Brant earlier, whom Peter dated, who turns out the Multiman was her brother. Then the later one is, even though Green Goblin was around since issue 14, Harry Osborn's introduced in issue 28, you know, but by the time you get into issue 39 and 40, you have the Green Goblin discovering Peter's den- identity and you're finding out he's actually Norman Osborn, Harry's father. Mm-hmm. So, so this, has been a, this is a thing in the comics, and to me, that's a great nod to that. You know, but the point is that anyone paying attention would go, oh, Peter wasn't actually in the elevator. He just disappeared for a while. And here's Spider-Man in Washington, D.C., and, oh, what about that other time? Oh, you know, that other time that, you know, Vulture was dealing with uh, Spider-Man. Oh, well, Peter was at that party. Oh, no, but you only left five minutes and disappeared. It's obvious to anyone paying attention. And bringing back to my MJ point is, and she's the person on the outside paying attention. Right, right, right. Oh, wait, wait where do you go off to, Peter? Oh, never mind, I don't really care. Yeah, because I already fucking know. Um, the Washington Monument sequence is one of my favorites. It's awesome. The fairy sequence is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then those small, mo- quieter moments where it just sucks to be Spider-Man, where so, they, did the great, uh, they did the great version of him stuck in, in, in the neighborhoods in suburbia. So, so wait, let, let's back up a little bit. So first you have the Washington stuff. Yeah. When he's in the warehouse, yes. and he's so bored and doing all those things with that, and there's this great montage, and then it's, oh, only 36 minutes have gone by? Minutes, yeah. That right there, it's such a, he's such a teenager. Right. And he's this hyperactive teenager with superpowers. That was so great. Um, him messing up in Washington, already pretty bad. But one of the things I want to talk about, um, maybe it's a quibble, maybe it isn't. Um, but, you know, Tony didn't give him very good guidance. And a friend of mine had mentioned, well, you know, that it was it was something that was they thought was not well done with that it wasn't convincing Tony as the father. But I disagreed. I said, no. I felt that it was that Tony's just not good at this. He, yeah, he does not know He's not good at it. He blew the kid off. He stuck him in a happy. Happy didn't deal with it. 
However, here's my quibble. Maybe it's fine because it's just how Tony's acting and we can, we can go with that and that's fine. But Tony's outrage wasn't earned. You don't think so? Especially in the, after the fairy sequence? I'm talking about the, after the fairy sequence. Those that's people what I'm almost fucking Yes, died. that's true. But he has not been trained at all. He's 15 years old. Tony he said, here... the fuck out. He tells him twice before that to stop yeah, doing did. the crime. Get people, get, yeah. help people with directions, Wh- get cats out of the tree. Whatever, he's 15 he years old. the flying guy, he told him not to Yeah, but he's 15 years old and he's not being trained. He, he should be trained. He should not it at all. He should have taken the suit away after the, before he got out of the limo. He should have been like, happy that thing stays in the limo. Get out, Peter. We'll let you know when we need you to suit up again. He, I mean, uh, my, if you're going to blame Tony for anything... Blame him for giving him the suit and then telling him only get cats out of the tree. Well, that's just it. It's not realistic to think he's only get cats out of the tree. He was already doing this before he ever met Tony. Tony should have been training him. Well, somebody should have. Yeah. Cap. And Cap is training him well, in gym class every week. Well, well, and, and, that, and that's just it. What you right. said is exactly right. If Cap was involved, Cap would have been training him. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. At the end of the movie, when they're bringing him up there, it's like, you know what? Weekends or whatever, he's officially in this program for Stark. Why is he not up there? If it's not Tony, let it be Vision, you know? I mean, right. someone should be trained. Well, it should be, it should be Hawkeye or it should be... Well, it's not, it wouldn't be Hawkeye because Hawkeye's it's not with them. Well, no, I, well, I, was, I was... Yeah, or uh, make, it, make it be... Uh, um, Scarlet, uh, not Scarlet, uh, Black Widow. Because she's, she's a badass. She's yeah. a ninja. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there has to be a shield liaison. Someone could be training him. Yeah, I, I, but I, nobody's I, training him. I was thinking today that I was like, oh, there, there could have been a Nick Fury this or that in the movie, but right. I, I, I expect well, that well, the well, sequels he, might he, have a little bit of he, that. Here's the thing. So, in the 1610, the ultimate books, the idea, again, they went to the, the real world place of, of course shield knows who he is. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to figure out. Yeah, very early and, on. And Nick Fury said to Peter Parker, it's, you're a kid, you're underage, there's nothing I can do right now, but... You're drafted. Right. Good. Do what you're doing. Have fun. When you're 18, I own you. Yeah, I remember that issue really well. I, I own you. Yeah. You're, you have superpowers, all that, and you're in S.H.I.E.L.D. when you're 18. That's just what it is. I can't force you right now. And they took it to the next level with Miles, who's decidedly younger, who, well, they know. And we find out that Miles' father is an ex-S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and he actually rejoined S.H.I.E.L.D. to make sure yeah. they're looking after his son. That's been pretty important recently. Yeah. And that, I mean, and I think, and that's this great idea. Yes, in the context, if it was still Cap, Cap would have definitely stepped in. In the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, they actually did something with that, with Cap stepping in, and eventually, where they went in that, in that, in that cartoon, they actually made Spider-Man as a teenager officially become a Shield and actually bring in other teenage heroes. And that's actually what that whole cartoon well, you get was like, about. You get like Nova, and you had all those other. You had Nova. You have. Um, Power Man, Iron Fist, White Tiger, you know, and it was a whole thing, okay? And then they had a second team, but that was that, was that whole cartoon. It's actually a fun cartoon. It's worth watching, you know, but it's literally like, yeah, because that's what they would do. That's what they should do. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Tony getting mad at him was, was inappropriate. I, thought, I understand, I I understand why. Leaving, I thought leaving Tony with the... Leaving him with the damn suit is completely on Tony to the point where the, the fairy almost gets... The, the point is that, no, why he was mad I understood, but in between those two times, he's so completely blown off. Yes. And, and that, was, that, that, that was negligent. He had some... I mean... It, T- Tony was negligent. from the river or from the lake, yes. it should have been like, dude, this is over. You almost drown. Well, or... Tra- yeah, exactly. Either yeah. it's done or train him. Right. Not this in-between stuff. And then mad. at least, listen again, I love the movie because I love him. Tony's like, yeah, he's mad at himself. Right. He should be. He should be. But ultimately I say, but that's very Tony Stark up. Right. Right. So I just, so I mentioned earlier about did they have him enough? I play around in my brain with like, could, could we have seen more of a learning montage all that? But ultimately I like that. It was actually very Tony Stark. He blew it off. He's a lot going on. He's an adult. Oh yeah, the, this project. You know? So I'm fine with that. Um, but, but that, that I'm just saying that, that that's my quibble. It, it, it bothered me. But ultimately, it's not a true quibble because you could just say that's a failing in Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know? Um, I think it was important that he lose the suit because a lot of people comment on that true Spider-Man is he doesn't have the suit. Right. Because it definitely becomes this whole notion of the Iron Spider. 
you know, this idea of what him and ending up only having his web shooters and his little silly homemade costume. And his that, ten times human strength. No, 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 but hear me out. But that's the the ultimate expression of pardon the pun, ultimate. Right. The ultimate expression of Spider Man, years and years, that Spider Man. Yeah, he just had the web He's the street level hero, he created his own web shooters and he's in a homemade costume and he doesn't get it done and I actually I love that statement because I felt that this is an intentional nod of Tony saying if you can't do it without, then you shouldn't be doing it at all. Right. Because that's it. Him. He has to, that means, that, he really earns it. And, and that's the thing, ultimately, you know, in the comics, the idea was going into Civil War, first Tony, you know, gave him an armored suit, which didn't really look like his. In the current comics, it's Peter's created his own, but this was very much a nod to what Peter has now in the comics. And what was so this whole idea that Peter, if he can't do it without the suit, he shouldn't be doing it at all, leads to my favorite part of the movie, the issue thirty three mm-hmm. setup. He has master plan. He has he has ditched Liz at the prom. He has been saved by Danky. That's from right. The second prowler. It was awesome. Uh, and now he's he's like, nope, I'm going after Tombs because he's still out there being a villain. Second and, shocker. The second shotgun. That's, that's what I meant. And uh, I and, he, and I know what he wants. He's going to go get the. Pl- he's going to get this plane that's leaving the Avengers Tower and is full of more equipment. And he tracks Tombs down to this warehouse. And Tombs activates the suit, which isn't on him. He activates the the the. Suit that start, and it starts knocking down all the pillars. And, and, when, and, and when I see that, wait, and think about it for a second. Think about what Tombs did. You know what Tombs did right there? Hmm. He Batmaned him. He Batmaned him hard. Yeah. He drew because Tombs is a professional. He's been doing it for years. He planned it out. He fully trapped him in, in that perfect way. So he so he uses the Vultra uh, tech to start knocking down the pillars. And when I saw that happening, and I realized where John Watson Company were going to take this scene, I almost started crying. I was yeah. like, Vulture's going to drop the building on him, right? And we are going to have the perfect setup for issue thirty-three, which right. is. One of the top five most iconic scenes in a Spider-Man comics. I had just days earlier been telling a friend of mine about it because it is Spider-Man. Yes. That scene is Spider-Man. Yes. I have to do it. It is only on me. And they did it and they nailed it in this movie. It I, was I, I, I have to get all this rubble off of me or my frail aunt's going to die if she doesn't get her medicine. And that, that is basically Spider-Man. And yes. it was awesome. I had tears in my eyes. I turned to two friends who did not have the context or cared, but I was losing my mind. I loved. I actually it. loved the little subtle touch, which was very cinematic and very real. Of Tony's voiceover? He- no, 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 no. Of, of, in, for a moment before he finds the strength, he's a little kid. Help me! Oh my God, he's crying. It was so powerful. It was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. And then he realizes, no, I'm Spider-Man, and I'm going to do this. I have to do this. I have to. It made me want, I wanted to go right back into the movie and yep. watch this one again. It's fantastic. They nailed one of the top five most iconic scenes ever. Now yeah. Fox just has to work with Sony and Marvel to have him fight the Juggernaut, <laughs> which is another Spider-Man sequence that I would love to see. But exactly 200 issues later. Yeah, it was 233. 232. Where he fights fights the juggernaut and you're just like, how is Spider-Man going to stop him? Yeah. He's like, not, no. He's not. He's just going to be smacked. He's just going to annoy him for a little while. I mean, honestly, you have the death of Uncle Ben, you have the death of Gwen Stacy, you have that rubble sequence, and you have that John Romita Sr. uh, cover where he has the trash can with the Spider-Man outfit. Um... Those are top five. I only listed four, but I would say that those are top Spider-Man five. No More walking in the alley with the costume. Yeah, Spider-Man No and More. And the which, yeah, That's what I said. Yeah. So you have yeah, Spider-Man yeah. No More, you have Death of Gwen Stacy, you have mm-hmm. Death of uh, Uncle Ben, of course, and yeah. then you have that issue 33 sequence where he's lifting the, the building yeah. off of yes. it. Yes. Iconic. I mean, those are those are four. I think there's a top five just because I want to round it out. Yeah. Like, swinging, carrying, holding the, you know, the bad guy. Yeah. Definitely iconic holy image. Holy shit. They did it so brilliantly. Yes. They set it up. You knew it was going to happen. Yes. And it was perfect. So, I'm in love with this movie. So, so, so you meant you started talking about something before, and I didn't want you to go down the tangent. Um, 
one of the things Spider-Man's famous for, if you've read the comics or if you've seen the original um, animated show, which we have to mention the amazing, we all lost our minds if we got it, the nod to that in the very beginning when you're expecting to hear the Marvel theme and instead they play the music from the original animated series. And that was any, awesome. Anyone old enough to get that lost their mind. Uh, I made sure that everybody around me heard it. Yeah. Because I was losing my mind. I lost my mind. I loved the treatment of it. Yes. So, um, so what I wanted to speak to, and I bring up the animated series for a reason. So the animated series, the original ones, they literally would cut out stills from the comics and they did, the animation was bad but it was literally right out of the comics and what they did a lot of it on the show that it was in the comics but you'd always have the, the repeated sequence of he's swinging around Manhattan right. swinging around Manhattan and it's just him swing, zip 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 and he's going across the skyscrapers and it's the great thing about Spider-Man that has actually always been in the comic that Spider-Man has to be in Manhattan he only works in Manhattan really or Tokyo because it's the only place he can get around zipping along. Yeah, maybe London. Right, London, Chicago, a little bit. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. But very small areas. And early in the comic, before he finally moved to Manhattan as an adult, but it was literally, yeah, he started in Queens, and we'd have to jump on the top of a truck or something or on top of a subway to get to Manhattan. Yep. And then, but all the, most, almost all the action would be in Manhattan because he couldn't get around. In this movie, and it was well yeah, done. but, but it, it's that great thing of, oh, he has nothing to zip onto, so he's just running through the park and then doing the full-on Ferris Bueller. That was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. It was he's hysterical. People's back fucking yards, and he's—it's pathetic and it's hilarious. Yeah, but but and it's a great nod to the fact that because he can't get around otherwise. Yeah, the movie's humor it was really like it was unique and it wasn't a retread of things that we'd seen before. And, and speaking of that, and that's one of the things I loved is. Maybe it comes later. No need at this point to push going to Manhattan and joining the Daily Bugle. Which, does that even work anymore? Right. Right. He's a blogger. I don't know. You know? But yeah, no, you're right. Um, I would love to see a J. Jonah Jameson. As, as but but, but, but we did not need it here. We did not need it. We, I did not miss it. Uh, we did, it's mean, been done already. The first, the, those first two Sam Raimi movies did such an amazing economic job of giving you all of Peter's universe and telling you all of Peter's stories so succinctly, cleanly, and completely that when we did get to the Amazing Spider-Man movies, we absolutely missed Harry. We absolutely missed J.J. J. Jonah Jameson. We absolutely missed the supporting cast. But, again, I think that those movies are Batman-esque. I think those movies are Batman shoehorned into a Spider-Man suit. And, uh, and here, I just felt the breath of Because, because they're grim. They're just grim and he's a yes. loner and it's he's sulking and here we yes. have a Spider-Man movie where well, he is nothing if well, not well, hopeful. Well, wait. Well, 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 let's back up a second because Raimi did a great job of capturing the origin which we really never need to see again. Mm-hmm. And that honestly, so much of what's wrong with The Amazing Spider-Man you know, is an attempt to do it again and do it badly. Oof. Okay? Let's not go off on that tangent. But... And a, bi- a big aspect of Peter Parker that exists so well in the Ram movies is his guilt. Yes. Okay? Here, it's the smallest thing everything May's been through. We don't know. They don't talk about it. They don't have to say the classic line, is it missing? Is it an issue? It's not a problem for me. We don't have to hear with great power comes great responsibility again. Because he is, because he is great power. He's already doing it. He's doing it. Yeah. He's doing it. Obviously, there's something about obligation and pain that May's gone through. We haven't heard it. Bringing us to the end of the movie for me, and I want to talk about this a bit, again, in relation to the ultimate version and the animated series, the most recent animated series, about May and the end and the what the fuck. Is the last shot of the movie. Yes. Peter taking off his suit. He thinks he's getting away with it. And the camera rotates. You see Aunt May... Just watching him take off the Spider-Man suit, and the movie ends on her discovering that her nephew. Right. Is so, so here's the thing: in the in the Ultimate Universe, May discovered it. Yes. And in the in the Six, animated yeah. series called Ultimate Spider-Man, which is very loosely based on that, she knows. Right. Bring me back to the same old point of because who wouldn't know? You're I mean, the person, yeah. yeah. I mean, like. In the classic comics, a million times she meets Spider-Man. 
I mean, it's ridiculous how often this little old lady from Queens meets Spider-Man, you know? And this is her nephew who's really her son, you know, more or less, in the sense that she raises him. And she can't tell that this is... She can't just look at him and see this is his body and just not know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> really? Is, yep. Yeah. She's an old lady. Yeah. But Mercer Tomei isn't going to fall for it. No, of course not. Bay City. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I just, yeah. So, I mean, I, I love them introducing that into it, and it'll be a couple of years. But like, no, of course she's gonna, she's gonna know now, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be while well, he's doing it and an official and whatever else, and you know, and we'll see. But it's great. Um, I love the notion of yes, he's staying friendly neighborhood Spider Man, but he's gonna be there to help the Avengers. Yeah. But he's still a kid, so he's not gonna be doing it full time. He's gonna go punch Thanos, and he'll be right back. By the way, I mean. Again, it's a quibble. What exactly was Tony thinking? He's a 15-year-old kid with no permission. He was just officially going to join the Avengers full-time? It doesn't even make any sense. Well, Tony was an overachiever, too. And he was done with high school and college by the age Granted, of Granted, well, the kid either needed, wouldn't need May's permission or he would have had to been emancipated. Listen, hey, hey, hey. Listen. I'm just saying. It sets up the, the off-screen proposal between him and Pepper Potts. The reality of it... It was a great scene. Gwyneth it, was a, it was a great scene. And the reality was, it was that since it's government-sanctioned Tony's team, there's ways around it. I'm just saying that I felt like there's a little connective tissue missing there. But the argument could be that Tony hadn't figured it out. He was just doing the press conference, and then he was going to figure it out. And I love Jennifer Connelly. Of course. Oh, that voiceover stuff was so good. It was great. It was so much fun. How about the whole thing about the upside down kisser? Mm-hmm. Again, a great nod to Raimi's movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have quibbles with this movie. It, 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 my, my, it my stuff, is, my stuff is, is, is small. It is. I still love those first two Spider-Mans that Raimi did. Those, yeah, those are still my gold S- second movie emotionally. Oh, well, the second movie is the best. But again, speaking to that. That moment at the end of MJ after he kisses her and she realizes it, and I felt like that's also a little bit of a nod. They purposely do a look. Michelle, MJ, the, the, the camera stays on her, and the look on her face, she knows. And I felt that was a total nod to, the end, to, to Raimi's ending. Um, I also love that Tombs lives. It, 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 it's so better than that. All right, let's, 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 let's talk about motivation. So someone, someone asked me, they said, well, doesn't why doesn't he tell them? Lives. Yeah. So, so they, someone said, "Why doesn't he tell him at the end?" Wait, what do you mean? You know, tell me again. Scorpion says, "Hey, rumor has it you know who he is." Okay, well, I was just saying that what I loved is that I what it really epitomizes Peter uh, Parker and Spider Man in this movie was Tombs is about to escape and he says, "No, I'm trying to save you." He yells, right. "I'm trying to save you!" And Tombs explodes. Right. He's not dead, which is great, and he because, saves him anyway. And he saves him anyway. And here we go. Tombs is in jail, and he goes up against. Ex-Geekscape guys, Michael Mando. Geekscape alone, Michael Mando, <laughs> Matt Gargan. And they go face-to-face, and Matt Gargan has a hard-on for Spider-Man. He's right. pissed because now he's in prison and scarred, I think. Yeah. And he tell, he, he goes face-to-face with Tombs, who's just been in, brought into the prison, and he's like, I'm going to find this kid, and I'm going to take him out, and Tombs completely... Just doesn't even let on that he knows who Spidey is. No, he flat out says, if he knew who he was, he'd already be dead. If he knew who he was, he'd already be dead. So, so here's the thing. So, so we're left with an interesting motivation there, uh, or, or potential you know, plot point for, um, the, for the next movie. movie. And, and, you know, and a lot of people think that that means it's Sinister Six. Um, I think it's a couple of things going on there. We already know that, all right, he gave him the chance because he'd saved his daughter. Yes. Now we saved him. Yes. Okay, so is there that? Or is it simply a matter of he wants to do it himself? But I think those are our possibilities. Yeah. I definitely think there's a certain ego to Tombs. You know, um, yes, he ruined his life, but he saved his life. Oh, he's got ego in that first scene. It's amazing. Yes, yes. There's a big ego. I mean, look, it was actually great when he kills the first shocker. But the whole whole idea of like, yeah, but he didn't mean to. What do you think? Yeah, what do you think when he kills that first shocker? And you were like, did they just kill off the shocker? Yeah, and right. Then again, like, yeah, it's the other get, one. You get a brand new shocker, right? God, yeah, it was it great. Was awesome, it was awesome. Uh, you just need the jacket and the shocker suit. But but but, but again, so it's this interesting moment of oh my god, he's so cold blooded. Oh, he didn't mean to do it. Yeah, he's okay with it. 
but he's not really that bad. He's pretty bad, but he didn't mean to just atomize him. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really what he was looking to do. So it gives the kid a chance. So do we see these characters back post Avengers: Infinity War? There's no question. But do we see them back in Spider-Man Two? Yeah. Or do we see them? In an actual Sinister Six movie. No, it's Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 is going to go up against the Sinister Six. I think so. That'd be fun. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that we've always talked about, and you go back to like the Batman movies, about the problem is they start overloading um, you know, with too many villains. Not if you do movies. Like Civil War. I mean, but, Civil War was well, amazing. C- Civil War was great, but also... The plate spinning in Civil but, War is but, incredible. But even, even this movie. The plate spinning is phenomenal. Wait, wait, let's say, even this movie, we, we already said we got several characters here, but it didn't feel like it. No. Like, that was the problem with, with the Amazing Spider-Man 2. It's, like, it's just too much, right? In this movie, you have arguably four villains. Right. And there's a focus on one. There's a half focus on the second one, and you are handling it. Right. It's fine. It was awesome. The question, when, when he's trapped in that damage control uh, truck... After he falls in back into it, right? And the, the... Oh, great scene. Um, are there Doc Ock tentacles in there? Are there? You yeah, know what I mean, like we started looking for things yeah. in those yeah. cages, and we're like, are those Doc Ock tentacles? Is there a Goblin glider? Are right. there different things in there? Did you spot anything in that truck? I, I, I'm, I'm going to need to like see it again and really it all sit with that. Pretty, yeah, it all looks pretty yeah. shallow, focus foreground stuff. And yeah, I was like, yeah. Man, that stuff looks yeah. like tech that would go right into the Secret exactly, Six. Exactly, exactly. Sinister so Six. Aw- the yeah. Sinister Six. That was awesome. Yeah, Secret, Secret Six is, Secret the, Six is, is the, the Distinguished Competition. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, so I love this movie. I love the movie. Okay, we, we, so you, you, you very lightly brushed, touched upon this, mm-hmm. so let's talk about this a little bit. Okay. Um, I didn't know Chris Evans was in the movie. You didn't? No. I think Captain America was in this movie. I, I, I didn't. I love that he did not have a role equal it to It was awesome. It was perfect. First of all, once again, we talk about world building. Uh, the idea that, oh, Captain America's around. Of course Captain America would have recorded like school videos. Yeah, it's perfect. And, and, but even better than that is the idea that, oh, I think he's a war criminal now. Because of course... If he's now out of favor, but the schools still have the videos, they still use the videos because that's yeah. what schools do. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, it's the old thing. Oh, he's still putting it on and playing it. They're not even paying. I still think he might be walking around now. Whatever. It still matters. And the end, the post credit scene, scene <laughs> is so perfect with that to see the whole, like, it, it was so meta of all of us sitting there going, like, are we waiting for this? And what is it? You know, I mean, it was it was so funny. It was awesome. It's the first thing that when, the, when that's, that went to black, my, my friend uh, Andy just said, "I'm going to miss Chris Evans as Captain America so much." It was great. <laughs> yeah, he was great. It was perfect. Um, Ian, this movie is up there with the Raimi ones. Yeah, I'm so happy that it exists. Oh, it's great. And I'm so happy now. I'm well, so happy that the post Avengers we're going to have uh, some great shots of some really great Super- Spider-Man movies. There is a Venom movie with Tom Hardy. There is a black and silver movie with... We're, silver. All right, we're going here. Let's do this. There's a, we have to. There's a, all right, so, fine. There's let's a do this. Sable black cat movie. Amy Pascal has pissed me off. No, come on. Well, listen. She, if they're handled like this, yeah, the problem They're not going to be handled movie. like this because Marvel's not involved. You don't she, even she, think she, some she, of it brushed the, off on them? Like, no. Good juju? No. Good no. juju? No, I do not. Here's the thing. First of all, the reason she's pissed me off is because she was so trying to tap dance and act like it's involved and it's connected and it's complete BS. Venom without Spider-Man is already a problem, but at least Venom is enough of a name and it's creepy enough. Fine. I'm not happy about it and I don't know how you do this movie without Spider-Man, but it's not going to be unless they wait a few years. You know, it's not going to be. Um, so she's trying to be vague. Well, maybe he'll be in. She's being coy and she's getting annoying. Black black, black Cat and Silver Sable? First of all... Now, You're the person who asked for that. I'm story. a fan. I have both of their every single appearance. I love both characters. And I'm literally scratching my head going like, I don't get it. First of all, those characters have never been together in anything. They're both characters that interact with Spider-Man initially around the same time. I mean, Black Cat popped up earlier, but they were around. They both happen to have silver hair. Mm-hmm. Okay, Black Cat is a cat burglar. She's very much a Catwoman analog. Yes, back in the day, and recently a little different. 
Um, and Silver Sable's a Nazi hunter. Mm-hmm. Okay? I'm not saying that someone can't come up with a script that makes them work together, but there isn't a classic comic book story, and right. absent that script, I don't see the point, other than they went, oh my God, this early buzz on Wonder Woman is that it's going to be really good. Well, what do we have so we could tell our shareholders, hey, we have a superhero movie with women. Yeah. That's what that announcement was, and it's annoying, and it's insulting. I can't imagine anyone's interest. I mean, will I go? Well, you know I'll go. But <laughs> Yes, we went to Electra. Yeah, right. I'm going to go just to go to be able to talk about it, just to be able to come on this, on this show and say that why it sucks and it's bad. I'll go. Okay? I owe that to, to, to the listeners, he's right? He's taking a bullet so you don't have to. I do that. I've, I have certain friends of mine going, Ian, you're the problem because you give the money that. I go, no. I go so I can tell everyone whether or not they should. Right. You know, I'll tell you if it sucks or not. But for me, it's just one of those things that I'm such a fan. I want to see what they did. Right. You know, I need to see what they did. And I do not tell everyone else to, to go, you know. But it just, those characters mean nothing without them being in a Spider-Man movie first. It's like, you know, there was a talk years ago about doing the Jinx spinoff from Double Assassin. Okay, I remember. and yeah. they ended up the not ha- doing it, but, but that's the point. Or, you know, or after The Fugitive, they did U.S. Marshals. Fine, if you have a runaway character that's so great, you want to try your own, you know, take, you know, great, that's a spinoff. But just plumbing the depths of it, if the characters are strong enough on their own, fine, you want to make a movie you have rights, I get that. As you, you mentioned Elektra, right, Elektra was this breakout character in the first Daredevil movie, as damaged as that movie was and they did an Electra movie understood why that movie was made right without getting into you know first five minutes right out of the Bendis book great rest of the movie sucks I mean there's the training sequence of the chase but otherwise but point is that fine do it right and great but there's zero reason for a Black Cat Silver Sable movie I don't think that movie's getting made I think that movie was that announcement was to appease shareholders sure. and it's not going to happen but you got Tom Hardy hooked up to a Venom movie that's interesting because if they if that, they end up not making that movie, they probably have to. There's probably a payout. It probably has a uh, for him and Ruben Fleischer. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would think. So, yeah, they might try to make that movie. You know, um, that movie can be creepy and interesting, but just you know, the problem with or Venom milita- or militaristic. Yeah, like the, pro- the current villain. Here, no, that's not the current Venom. I know it's not the current Venom, but it's, it's the most it's recent ba- iteration. It's, no, it's back but to the old Venom. I know he's going back to the old Venom. What I'm saying is, the, you get what I'm you, saying. Yeah, you're saying the Flash Thompson military. Here's the thing about Venom. So, what's actually very integral, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, is integral to Venom's character. The only reason why Venom, that symbiote, they've gone on to say it's from a race of symbiotes called the Clintar. Yes. That particular symbiote bonded with Peter Parker. So, Venom is Spider-Man-like. Yes. Because it got access to his genetic code. Right. So right away, all the imagery of it, it's like, it's like if you don't have Spider-Man in it, it's missing a major part of it. It's not Venom. Mm-hmm. You know, there were interesting ideas floated out there about, did you see Life? No. Life's worth watching. You liked it? I did. It's, okay. it's intense. I, it's extremely derivative of a lot of things, but it was fun. Okay. Extremely derivative. But yeah, it, I, I enjoyed I, it. I, I There's issues I had at the end, whatever else. I mean, I, I, that's a whole other conversation. However... Life is a movie might have been really interesting setup of Venom. Right. Watch it, you'll see what I mean. And so people, there was a rumor out there like, hey, is this the setup of Venom? And they, they played coy. Right. You know, because... Because they wanted it, people to go see it. Yeah, well, no, but it actually, it, it actually works. Right. It, it, it totally could be. That's cool. If you do a Venom movie without Spider-Man, then that's your prequel. Right, right. I mean, when you see it, you'll see what I mean. It really is. Well, I know what the movie's about, so yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, Geeks gave us Ian Kerner. I think he might be at Comic Con. As of now, <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, I'm coming. I, he's coming. coming. Uh, Geeks gave us. We're at booth thirty nine nineteen. So this will be my twenty first. Uh, that's that's impressive. That's really cool. Um, come celebrate Ian's twenty first. He can now drink at Comic Con. I can drink at Comic Con officially. Come celebrate it. If you're going I was underage Con. drinking before. Come get something free from our loot crate box. Um, I love. Spider-Man Homecoming, it, it checked so many boxes that I didn't even think it was going to check for me. I knew it was going to be fun. Everybody who'd seen it said it was great. Uh, it, it exceeded those expectations. 
Um, I had heard great things about it. It exceeded even those. Um, we'll be back on the regular Geekscape podcast this week, but this is the special. So I'm going to go see. I, I got to go see Homecoming again. I want to see it again too. So Maybe we should go together. That'd be fun. I'd yeah. be up for that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how we're going to squeeze it in between on Comic Con. It's going to be rough. God, I love that movie. And then you know, Valerian's opening at Comic Con. Valerian's opening at Comic Con. We've got an Apes movie coming up this week. Apes. Woo! I'm going. I'm going Thursday. And we, dude, August is almost upon us. Yeah. And you know what comes in August? Yeah. Defenders, baby. Yep. We've Can't got wait. so much to talk about. Apes I'm excited Apes. for Tom Blonde. Okay. All right. Um, I've not seen that one. Well, it doesn't open until July 20th. I know. It's sometimes with Universal movies, I get a little bit Oh, nervous. that's true. That's true. Uh, I've not seen that one. I'm having to miss a lot of things. I've just been busy, Geekscapists, uh, with your podcast, with some movie stuff, um, and with teaching. Yeah. Uh, so I've been very busy. Look at you. It's been fun. Busy guy. Uh, Geekscapists, I'm not too busy for you. Hence, Ian just dropped a bunch of knowledge bombs on you. Uh, and he will again. Um, we'll see you guys on the regular Geekscape podcast do us a favor go on iTunes give us five stars tell your friends about Geekscape and definitely write a review that really helps float us uh, on iTunes it helps our visibility so just spread the Geekscape love on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube uh, all that but really really on iTunes leaving us a review does a, a whole lot of help uh, we will see you guys back in the Westwood One Studios as we march on the road to Comic-Con. Goodbye, Geekscapers.